have try. a question about the shirts. Yeah. Why is everything on the front? Why didn't you put like the saying on the back? And then just the logo on the front. <laughs> Why, I'm the one Why the didn't you do that? What? I'm the one with the attitude. <laughs> What's wrong with shirts? What's wrong with words on the front? Isn't that, but shirts typically have like just the little logo in the front and then like the saying in the back or vice versa. I, I, I was just curious in, if there was a reason. I was in control of what people submitted as the idea. <laughs> That's why I didn't. I didn't say this on the recording for a reason. Oh, you didn't. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you did. This week it's Kevin McKinney. Four questions. <laughs> to the cold Opio podcast. Uh, <laughs> didn't your microphone break when we were? No, I was an idiot. I think I had something muted. <laughs> wasn't paying attention. You okay? It's my allergies. Yeah, Literally, I have <clears throat> COVID. No, I don't have COVID. Jimmy got tested to be sure. You couldn't have, like, edited that better. Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's cold oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his desk. It's always here. It's always here. And by the way, the, the the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like one to ten. I mean, it's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, there's like nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it. But it, it looks like cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your say that? <laughs> Welcome back. Nikki, good opening. Way to go. Thanks. It's good. It's good. This is Matt Resch, and you are listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Uh, this is the Resch Strategies team. Uh, we're a public affairs and a public relations firm headquartered in the Naps building in downtown Lansing, Michigan. Uh, you can find us at reschstrategies.com, and we are at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Resch Strategies. Uh, the podcast is also on Spotify. It is also on Apple Podcasts, so you can follow us there, rate, review, and listen. Oh, and then there's the Twitter feed, at Cold Oatmeal mm. Pod. Yes. It's a lot of stuff. Lots of there's stuff. Lots this of stuff. seems like this, I've said the same thing for every episode, but it seems like it's getting longer. Yeah. Maybe you're talking slower. Maybe. So before we get into our guest today, who's an awesome friend of ours, Kevin McKinney from McKinney & Associates. Joe, it was your birthday. Yep. <laughs> Happy birthday. Hey, what'd thanks. you do? Yeah, what'd you do? <laughs> I spent most of my time with uh, Carly, actually. Oh, why? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're dating, so I guess <laughs> you guys know. So the oh my god, the podcast we're all getting out. We're so. all shocked. You know what? Our friends Phil and Wes are going to be so disappointed with this whole thing because they they wanted to have Wes call in and ask a surprise question about this, and then Wait, you what? just spilled it. You just like oh. the whole thing. and like birthday question wasn't even to bring this up, and well, then you brought it up. Well, why did you? <laughs> I thought that was your clever way of doing. I mean, what else would I be I'm doing? Not clever. I mean, it's your um, birthday. Yeah, no, I didn't do anything. Um, what was that going to be? What is he going to call? Yeah, what was your what, no? What, what was that going to be? The, it was going to be a surprise caller, and it was like I was supposed to like let in a, a surprise guest to ask a question. It was going to be, "Are Joe and Carly dating?" And you would say, "Yes." Well, we that would have been weird. Well, <laughs> that been could way we not this was more organic. We won't do that. Yeah, this will just be like a birthday surprise. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, well, that wasn't where I was going, but okay. Happy birthday, Joe. Thanks. Um, on this week's <laughs> podcast, we are doing four questions. You okay, Carly? Uh, it's fine. With our, with our good friend, Kevin McKinney. Uh, Kevin is a, has been a lobbyist for, for nearly four decades here in town. Uh, one of the, the youngest chiefs of staff in the legislature ever. Um, established McKinney and Associates in 1991. Uh, has been working as a pretty much a one-man shop ever since. Very successful lobbyist, good friend. Um, he was our first landlord. Once I moved out of the kitchen and moved into an office, Kevin I moved into Kevin's building. So four questions with Kevin McKinney. So Kevin sure. McKinney, thank you for being with us on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so we're here in the Naps building, as, as our uh, faithful listeners know, and Kevin mentioned when he walked in, that his first, uh, one of his first lobbying jobs was actually in this, in this building ages and ages ago. Yeah. Good, uh, good memories. But uh, as I mentioned to you, actually, earlier memories was sh- doing Christmas shopping here. <laughs> when it was a full department store. That's the fun part about having people come over here is it, 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 it time stamps their experience with the building and how many people actually did shop here yeah. and how many people have knew it as a DCH office building, how many people knew it as just a vacant building yeah. <laughs> and, and now what it is, it is now. So, so I, I want, there are a lot of questions I want to ask you, but you are the, the latest of our guests who we're going to do a four questions episode with. Okay. Um, and so for folks who have, have heard this before, we did this with Steve Young who had been re, uh, recently retired from, GCSI, another lobbying firm here downtown, uh, and then Kathy Wilbur over at MSU helped us out. So our, the four questions that we're going to get to during the course of our conversation is how did it start? Uh, what was the best thing? What would you change? And who will you remember? Uh, so we're going to get to some of those. But before that, I wanted to ask because you have, I've been envious. Have you been able to get on any trips this winter? Because you go to the, the coolest places. And I know has COVID cut down on your ability to go Skiing and snowboarding and whatnot, because you're always doing stuff. Well, it did in 2020. In about three weeks, I'm going out to Utah to snowboard with my kids. Uh, this past summer, I went down to West Virginia, I think four times to do climbing. So I'm okay with the outdoor stuff. How long have you been climbing? Is this a new thing or have you climbed for a long time? Uh, I've been climbing probably for the last 10, 12 years. How did that start? It started with, uh, well, it started when I was uh, taking my kids down to West Virginia and we were doing rappelling. And uh, I got a little bit bored with that. Um, but just really, jumping off the side right. of it. Just jumping just, off. It's just would. not fun. Walking backwards. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trip. Um, and actually, it was uh, kind of a, a mental, physical test for me after I was recovering from cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I, I decided to go down and try my, uh, my skills and been climbing ever since so have you seen the dawn wall have you seen that movie i have isn't it awesome i want to talk about it with anyone who's seen it it's amazing and everyone needs to see it just yeah that's all there's there's a bunch of really good climbing movies uh, that i'll recommend to you which one is that it's um it's this guy what's his name do you remember his name Mm. this guy this famous climber who's like one of the best ones um climbs the face of uh what what's the it's some it's, it's some like sheer wait, rock have face and do you know anything about this a movie? lot about it? It's some like sheer <laughs> rock face in Yosemite that no one's ever climbed like ever, and he spends years like mapping out how to do it. And uh, I don't want to give it away, but like it's the story of him like trying to he climb this to wall top. that he I'm might. On, I'm on the edge might. of my seat here. <laughs> so, it's good. Watch it. It's on Netflix. 
My experience with climbing movies is relegated to Star Trek Six. <laughs> Captain Kirk is climbing up the <laughs> some wall. Like that's it. That's that's all. In, in his tights. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Does social climbing count? That's yeah. That's, oh. that's, that's Stephanie's right. There's Stephanie <laughs> and her handwritten notes. So what was so was it your kids who got you, in, or was it you thought I want to go climb this mountain? Or the kids were like, Dad, I'm going to go climb this mountain. Come with us. Uh, no, it was really me yeah. uh, initially, and so I all three of my kids climb, and then actually there's a lot of other folks around town that are out climbing, and go down to West Virginia. Uh, the irony is when you go down there in West Virginia and you talk about where you're from, and I'm live around Grand Ledge. There's Grand, there's the ledges, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I've only climbed once. I'm only three miles away, <laughs> but I prefer the you know the New River Gorge, in that area. So. Uh, but I love, love doing it with my kids and, you know, do multi-pitch climbing. And Are there other places in Michigan besides the, the ledges? You know, uh, not really. There's yeah. probably something up in the UP, but um, you really got to go down to Kentucky or West Virginia or out west. Have you ever done the ice climbing? Because that's they, they do that up in the UP, don't yeah. they? Yeah, uh, right outside of Munising. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So are you better than your kids? I still am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact is uh, we tested it a little bit with my oldest, who's 28, and uh, we did a multi-pitch down in West Virginia, and it was pretty gnarly. It was uh, almost outside my comfort level, and I got up a little bit better than, than he did. So do you go up with a guide? Like, how does yes. this work? So a guide takes you up there. Are you tied to anybody or tied to anything other than the side of the wall? Uh, so I always, I always use a guide. Okay. So I'm not one of those that just does it myself. Um, and some of it's top roping where they've, you know, it's a, a single pitch and they anchor it up and then you usually going somewhere between 60 and hundred feet up. Or if you're multi-pitching, you're anchoring on a, hanging on a side of a wall and then your guide goes up, anchors up and then, uh, he belays you as you're climbing. Can anybody do this or do you have to have some knowledge? Like you have to climb Anybody before. can do it. In fact, it's becoming such a popular sport that too many people are now going to the, mm. to the walls and it's getting a little bit crowded and people aren't yep. doing proper protocol and there's littering. So, I mean, it, they're really trying to kind of clean it up to the weekend warriors. You're not welcome, Nikki. Stay away. <laughs> no, this is interesting. I want to do this now. I have a good friend who has a, a son, Owen's age, who's so he's 13. And he, I don't know if his bed, his bedroom's not in, in the basement, but he built kind of like a little, a boy cave for his son. And they go and um, they climb the big wall at the Y and he built, he put those, what? Yeah, those handholds hand mm -hmm. all over the, the studs of this basement. And this kid will like just jump on the wall and he's Spider-Man. He's he, literally hanging upside down from the ceiling and he can walk him. He was walking himself across the ceiling. It's the coolest thing. Wow, that is cool. he's got more muscle in yeah. his 13 year old body than I have. Definitely not me. Well, I'll tell you, Planet Rock in Ann Arbor is a wonderful place to go and experience it. And you can self belay, it has a machine, so you can do it by yourself or with the guide. And it's really, really a great place to go. Cool. Well, you know, we figured with 40 years of experience in lobbying, we'd have you come and talk about rock climbing. <laughs> <laughs> but before I, I wanted to ask one quick question because Nikki's a skier. Mm -hmm. Carly's a skier. Barely. What's your favorite place out west to go? Because my, my family and I are trying to figure out a place to go out west to go skiing next year. Oh, uh, by far, Park City, Park Utah. City. And uh, my favorite run in, in uh, Park City is in canyons. The, the farthest run, it's called Boa. 
Okay. And it is the best blue cruiser from top almost to bottom. Perfect. You could do that, Carly. Oh, no, I could handle that. <laughs> it's, it's really a great run. We spend uh, many afternoons out there and, and so far over that very few people actually uh, get on it. It's kind of hard to get to as you're traversing the, the mountain to get over there. So. so do you guys pretty much go to the same place every season or? No, we usually do one trip in uh, Colorado, Summit County, and then usually another one, uh, Park City. Okay. So I was, did you have a follow-up skiing question? Can you add your I mouth open I was going to ask poised? him if there is any place in Michigan that you would choose. I, I, I do not ski. <gasps> I do not snowboard in Michigan. Sorry. Okay, uh, when, never mind. When my I, when my wow. kids were little, uh, I would take them up to uh, Boyne. Yeah, that's where we would go. Uh, where we do or, go. Yeah, but it's. I've had that fear about because I'm not. I, we've skied for I think six years, and I, I I love it. We love it, but I'm worried about going out west. You'll never want to and then ski never coming in back. The state. Yeah. Yeah, and your kids will become snobby too about Sweet. it. That's all they need. That's yeah. one more, one more. <laughs> but when you think about the vertical feet that you're going down and the runs and the cost, and it's it's well worth it. So I want to get into this lobbying thing a little bit. I I was asking around for dirt on you before before you came in, I, and you should be happy to know no one was willing to either either they didn't have it or they didn't want to, want to give it up. But I did. One t- person told me that you are or were the youngest legislative chief of staff in the Senate yep. ever. Is that still the truth? Is that still the case? Uh, I don't know if it still is. Um, kind of lost track of it. Uh, but when I started in 1979, I was interning with the Senate Majority Leader, and then I was going to go to law school and decided that I'd, I'd rather stay and work for the, the leader and uh, quickly progressed up um, to the staff director, chief of staff. He called it staff director versus chief of staff. What senator, what senator was that? Uh, William Faust. Okay. He was the last Democratic majority leader. Wow. So, How old were you? I was in, uh, I was like 24, okay. 25. Jeez. And um, probably. So this, your staff director at 24, 25? Yeah. Made a lot of mistakes, you know, <laughs> looking back, <laughs> how to handle, you know. That's why, he, that's why he was the last Democratic majority leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when uh, the Democrats had a pretty significant majority, so. So how did it like, how did you get, how did you decide to come work in politics, work in the legislature? Um, I actually was going to Michigan State uh, pre-med. Really? And for some reason I pivoted to criminal justice and I'm not quite (laughs) sure whether it was some sort of TV show or whatever, but uh, pivoted to criminal justice and was taking classes and uh, really was, did not want to be a law enforcement officer or a corrections officer. So I did another turn to political science pre-law only because I could get uh, a number of English lit classes, which I really liked and uh, did two internships with majority leader. And then when he was, when I was finished with my second internship and he took me to that, that lunch that, you know, thanking, thanking you for your service. He said, well, if you don't want to go on to law school, you know, I have a place here. And I waited about a week (laughs) and then said, I'd like to come work for you. Did you seriously consider law school? Yeah, I applied to a few yeah. schools. I'm, I'm glad I didn't go, but I mean, I think I made the right decision. I, I sometimes regret not going into medicine, but uh, that's okay. Well, you represent doctors now. That's I, I do. That's probably even better. That's right. <laughs> I had done the same thing. I, I didn't know what I was going to do when I graduated. And so I, I applied to law schools and I was weeks away from going. 
and then got a job call. I thought, okay, not going to go, not going to go to law school now, which I am mm-hmm. always grateful. Yeah. I don't have I any regrets have. either. Yeah. So what was the tenor of the Senate like in the early eighties and maybe not necessarily compared to today, but what, how, how was it different? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I think there was uh, a great deal more, uh, it was far less transactional as I recall. Now my memory may be a little bit fuzzy, but <clears throat> a lot of it was based on long-term relationships that these guys had because there was not, they weren't term limited. They knew each other's families. They socialized uh, a lot more than what you see today. Uh, most of them stayed up here uh, during the week. We had session on Monday nights. So they would come up Monday for the evening session. And then they were here right up through Thursday afternoon. You know, you had your same, ca- you know, strange cast of characters, a lot of uh, strange personalities. But as I, re- I look back, I, I think it was a little bit easier to get things done than it is today. And I think maybe it's because there are fewer interest groups, fewer lobbying firms. The, the amount of money to run campaigns was obviously significantly less. You didn't have... Uh, social media. Um, fact is we were excited because we got a typewriter that had a little bit of memory. <laughs> so, um, you know, computers came in, uh, probably close to the end of my tenure with, with the Senate. So I'm curious what you think the impact of social media has been on the legislative process, because I thought about this a lot over recent weeks, especially as we've had members of the house and Senate say, things that immediately become big stories and get lots of attention. And granted, there are always reporters who are covering things, but if someone said something at 10 o'clock in the morning, no one ever really knew about it until maybe that night's news or maybe the next morning when they open the paper. But now it's immediate and you have five or six different story cycles throughout the day. What do you think that kind of microscope, having that kind of microscope on legislators, how that impacts what, how they go about their data? Well, uh, some are still careless, right? Um, and <clears throat> we'll post all kinds of things. I have tended at times to uh, not be so disciplined either. And I've posted a few <laughs> things that I'm sure have hurt me a little bit uh, with some legislators. I tend not to uh, allow legislators into my Facebook friendships uh, just because it gives me an ability to kind of push out some things. Um, but I, I, I kind of prefer the slower process, the slower pace. And I think that it puts everybody under a microscope, which makes it a little bit harder for folks. Now, sitting on the side that I do now in advocacy, I love social media because you can really drive deep and quick into their communities um, on, on issues. So. So, you, so you left the late 80s or so, left the legislature just to get into lobbying. Right. Um, we're at a multi-client firm for a little bit and then you are another firm and then you started your own own shop in like the early nineties, right? Right. 91. 91. And you have been, have you always been just you? Have you ever had folks with you? I actually had um, another a legislator. I, uh, former uh, representative Jim Haddon okay. went into lobbying and then we merged as he was kind of exiting his career. Uh, but other than that, I've been really a solo practitioner, um, hitting my 30th anniversary. Uh, I, I'm not sure I would, I would be able to be successful or survive in today's world, being out here by yourself. But there were about three or four of us that were 
out practicing by ourselves. And then you had the big three or four and then a smattering of uh, mid-sized firms. And I really just kind of, I mean, I knew how to lobby, but not how to run a business. And in 91, I just kind of jumped into it thinking I could do it. And uh, it's a lot more difficult running a business than just the day-to-day lobbying. Yeah, it adds a whole nother layer of stuff you got to do. That's right. So how has it been being a kind of a one-man shop? I mean, you, you make the point now, there there aren't many. Yeah, I just, love it. Yeah. I really do. I, in fact, it's when I talk to, uh, and they may be saying this just to make me feel good, but when I talk to some of my uh, old-time friends that are in the large firms, they always say, if I could do it over again, I would just, I'd, I'd probably be a, a, a small firm. Um, I think there's less hassles, less conflicts. Don't have to, you know, how many miles you have to feed in the firm. Um, and, you know, I have all kinds of flexibility on what kind of clients I want to take, who I, you know, will pass on when I want to take my vacations, how many vacations I want to take. <laughs> um, so it's worked out pretty well. What's been the best thing looking back over the, the 40 years, the best thing of, of your career? And I, I don't want to ask these questions because it sounds like you're retired, which you aren't. You are going full steam ahead. But. I am. Um, you're, <laughs> you've, got more, you've got more energy than That's I do. Right. So I, I'm not saying that, but so when you think, when you think back, what has been like the best thing? Um, the best thing in, in, in my career has been really, um, working on a variety of different issues and, um, those that I'm really interested in and also giving me the flexibility to be a single dad. And I did that, uh, since, uh, 2000. Uh, obviously, I had a great co-parent, but um, it means I, I coached three soccer teams at one time, and I was the basketball coach and the baseball coach, and and I'm not so sure you could do that if you weren't self-employed, and it got me out of a lot of fundraisers <laughs> and uh, nighttime activities, which I don't really like anyway, so I would say that. Um, I, obviously, I've met a lot of great people, but probably the best thing is really helping folks that need need some corrections legislatively or administratively one of the examples i can give you um i was actually i can't really remember the year and i didn't have time to look it up but i was just walking across the capitol and there was a small rally and a a mother was speaking and uh i was she was very passionate and emotional and her daughter had been killed in an auto accident and she was distracted from using the uh, cell phone and I just sat and listened to her, and I had uh, a young uh, driver at that time. And after she was done, I, I went over to her and I introduced myself. And she had gotten a bill out of the Senate; and was it was stuck in the House Transportation Committee. And after a few questions, I said, "Hey, I'll help you pro bono. I just believe in this, and I believe in your story." And so we started a relationship. And then I said, "You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask." Truscott Rossman, if they'll do all the PR and uh, for you. And Kelly said, absolutely. So before, you know, uh, we know it, we had a full team uh, working with her. And then I uh, kind of forced my youngest son, who was that young driver, to be in the press conference to testify. <laughs> um, and he said, actually, I helped him uh, write the, the testimony and he said things that I couldn't say to the chair at that time, <laughs> who actually was our own uh, legislator. 
And he really gave, he really scolded the chair and the chair didn't know what to do because here was a, a, uh, you know, a young kid questioning why he was keeping this bill in committee. And we finally got it out like the last night of lame duck and it's Kelsey's law. And yeah. And so that was one that I was really pleased with. So I think some of those small victories keep you going. Have your kids always, I know, I think one of your, doesn't one of your kids work in politics or in, at least in this kind of this realm in, in PR, is it, you know, having parents, you know, your, your, your ex-wife, Kelly, uh, Kelly Rossman, two high profile Lansing figures in politics, or was that kind of your, your kids want to run away from it or were they attracted to it? I think initially they were kind of attracted to it, but now they're running away from it. <laughs> I keep asking if anybody wants to come in to kind of take over. Um, <laughs> There's no interest. My youngest son, who's helped me out a little bit in town, uh, uh, besides testifying, but has kind of helped me do some th- some things on auto no fault and uh, cannabis. He does like that issue. <laughs> um, so uh, I keep saying, you know, you can you can be part of this. You can kind of ease in. You can keep going to school, uh, but they're they're moving out to California. So, but um, how's the skiing in California? Find uh, out. I, I will find out. I've never <laughs> skied in California, um, but yeah, they're going to they're going to be moving out to uh, Santa Monica. My oldest yeah. son for a job promotion, and my youngest to find fame and fortune. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. Well, I always I remember him because you know and I'll, I'll get into this a little bit. We, you you play a big part in the history of rest strategies because um, after the first year or so, and of me sitting at the spare table in our in our guest bedroom you rented you rented me my first office and so i moved into into your building and i remember your son mowing the lawn ever coming by (laughs) mowing the lawn so well i helped him start that business when he was um boy i i would say maybe 11 or 12 and so from april to the end of november every weekend i was mowing lawns with him and uh, the one funny story I have is that uh, when he was finally uh, 16, 17, he had his own crew and they're not always dependable, his high school buddies. So I just decided I'd help him out because once he could start driving, I quit. Uh, I kind of got my weekends back. And uh, he's, I said, what jobs were you going to do today? And so it was a job with uh, that he was going to cut uh, lawn in East Lansing, who, which was one of my uh, uh, peers. So it just happened to be on a beautiful Sunday, uh, Saturday afternoon. We pull up and there's another lobbyist in his beautiful home out barbecuing and sitting and drinking beers. And I'm out there edging his lawn, <laughs> blowing you the sidewalks. <laughs> and initially I was like, I just felt a little weird, awkward about it. But then I thought, hey, I'm spending great time with my son. Yeah. So what the heck, right? Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah. And he loved it too, actually. He saw it, really appreciated that I did it. So, <laughs> did, he, did he tip you? Uh, he did not tip me, but he was he was a very good uh, client for my son. So, thinking back, I, I, you may have alluded to this already, but what would you change about how this all works down here and what you do? Um, how how things operate? Uh, I would look at. Um, some campaign finance really changes. I would look at some uh, some uh, changes in lobbying and lobbying reporting. Um, I've been an advocate, and there were a few of us that were talking about it, kind of petered out of looking at a state statewide 
uh, lobby association, professional association. Many states have them. And it would uh, try to um, really have professional ethics and um, really advocate for the process and to I would I would have included some pro bono work for those um, interests that just do not have any money to have a voice in, in Lansing. And, um, you know, I think there was some initial interest in it. And again, it was kind of the, the mid-sized, smaller firms, the big guys obviously weren't too interested in, in helping form a, an association. Um, not that it really changes how they do their day-to-day practice, but I just think that it made some sense to try to uh, kind of improve the image and have um, best practices and new uh, young lobbyists coming in, understanding what you can and can't do and what thresholds there are and that sort of thing. So I would look at that, you know, again, obviously I'm not a big fan of term limits, but I, I try to change that. But I think the fact that there's so much money that has to be raised and it's nonstop now. It just really puts pressure on um, lobbyists and other interest groups to continue to uh, participate in that process. If you want to, you know, really kind of move some some issues. So mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated. I have a couple of clients <clears throat> where you know once or twice a year, well, before last year, we'd all travel to some place and have a meeting of all the different state teams. And it's always fascinating to listen to lobbyists from other states share how things work in, in other capital cities and the regulations and, and the restrictions that certain states have that if they have it happened here, people would say, there's no way that'll work. That can't work here. Well, yeah. we could never get anything done if we could, if we can't go to lunch. I'm thinking like Wisconsin. I think like Wisconsin, I don't think you can take people, you can't buy them food, I think. And, you know, but they can, they figure out a way to do it. Yeah, I, you know, had a couple issues where um, some folks crossed the line and I, I had no um, place to go to to raise the concerns and try to correct the behavior. And I think that's a real problem. And I really only had a couple of choices. And one was to go to the particular um, caucus leader or the leader of the chamber. I'm being careful of what I'm saying, so <laughs> more identify uh, or actually go to law enforcement. And FBI and um, obviously did not want to do that. And I tried a couple ways to try to correct it. And I think for a short time it was corrected, but I I really think there's, there is no ethics committee. I think Congress has Mm -hmm. something that um, can look at some of these, these behaviors or incidences. And I, I would, I would try to build that into it. Uh, to some of the reforms. And I've, I've talked to other folks and there's, I wouldn't go as far as what I think um, there was a, uh, some language or some proposals being put together. I can't remember what interest groups to put on the ballot. I thought those went a little bit too far. Um, but certainly I think there's a, there's room for better transparency, accountability, reporting. What do you tell young lobbyists or I guess this what what do you tell young legislative staffers who see themselves one day being a lobbyist well see i don't really do any nighttime entertaining because i um i just prefer not to um i'd rather go home or i'd rather you know go work out at the mac (laughs) um and i think you can get swept up in that scene pretty quickly 
and I always caution them to just be careful. I've, when I talk to young, uh, new legislators coming in, I say, go home. Really nothing is good that will happen after five. So go home, have balance, you know, um, some do and do a fine job and others get kind of caught up in trappings and, you know, end up having some problems. I wonder, what do you think the, the pandemic is? restrictions on you know, that now they have to go now they are home in a lot of cases but now they have to go home because up Nothing's until open. up until a week or so ago <laughs> they couldn't go out yeah i loved it <laughs> <laughs> um you know i i listen i think uh face-to-face -face, uh, uh conversations and interactions are very important um and i'm really tired of zoom meetings um uh, but i also really don't want to go back um, to the days where we used to call them Nighthawks. And so you'd get a call about uh, maybe four o'clock in the afternoon from some legislator and they would say, Hey, I, I, I want to talk to you about an idea I have. And then, you know, it starts, well, okay, I'll call up your office and schedule a meeting. Well, what are you doing tonight? And that happened to me only a couple of times. And I think a word got out quickly that I just don't I do those things, <laughs> but Quite honestly, other firms have, you know, they kind of push that down to their uh, their younger lobbyists and they have to sit there all night listening to the legislators. Yeah, I, I've, I've watched that lifestyle and I, just, I can't, yeah, it's can't not wrap for me. my head around it. So is there someone, uh, the last question, the last of the four questions is, who will you remember? Is there a person in your career that you look back and think this is, or, or it doesn't have to be just one, people that you will always remember for how you got to where you are? Well, I, I would give a lot of thanks and praise to uh, uh, Senator Bill Faust for bringing me in. He was, uh, in my mind, kind of one of the last great leaders, legislators' leaders. He was, um, obviously, in my first seven and a half years, I worked with him, and he was a master at keeping control of his caucus. Um, he was confined to a wheelchair. He actually was... Uh, hit in an auto accident uh, right before he was elected, was sworn in at the hospital and never really left the wheelchair. Hmm. So uh, as a young uh, staffer, I was always with him. And so, you know, when he was in the evening, you'd get him out to dinner um, or you'd get him into his hotel room. And um, so I really developed a great relationship uh, with him and he was very reform minded so Where was he from? He was from Westland. Okay. And he was actually uh, a big proponent of libraries, state aid for libraries. And I got to, I got the chance to be the project staffer on the state library. So worked on that whole project, getting the initial funding for that. So I, I would say uh, Bill Faust would be one that I will always admire. So did that experience of his accident, did that lead to Kind of, because you've been an advocate for uh, auto no fault uh, protections for a long time. Is that was that kind of a give birth to that in your mind as an issue that you wanted to work on, or is this uh, actually it wasn't? But as I was looking back, it was my first exposure to what happens and um, you know the type of uh, benefits that one could get. And no, I first got involved with it just by really a, a client coming to me, and then I. I obviously do work for the Brain Injury Association of Michigan. Um, but again, looking back, um, 
I certainly see how people can improve their, their quality of life and be productive again with those types of benefits. Um, from a, other legislators, there's, you know, there's just a handful that I think of that have really been ones that I've enjoyed working with. Some of the more colorful ones, uh, I have like brief moments um, or an episode. I remember, um, well, I can't, I can't, I just lost his name, so I won't even raise that one. But, and then there's, there's certainly friendships that you, you build on uh, outside of the Capitol, you know, that some of your, your uh, friends in the lobbying corps that you will always remember and have helped you out. Uh, Terry Vanderveen was one that was uh, uh, very helpful. And we ended up sharing space and, sh you know, sharing uh, support. Uh, I have to do a, a, a you know, a, a thank you again to my friends at, uh, at that time, it was Kuzmano, Candler and Reed, who, uh, when I got sick, uh, took over my, my clients for me. All right. Um, and, you know, I introduced them to a few that wanted to meet the firm that was going to take care of them. And uh, Bill Candler was the point and the, the whole firm took over everything for me uh, for about three, four months. And uh, they just did out of the goodness of their hearts. So, you know, I think it's those types of friendships that you have that you try to pay it forward. Sure. I, I didn't know that. I was, I was in your building when you were yeah. going through all that. I had no idea that that was. Yeah. That was I think it, finally I had to quit. I had to stop working for a few, for a few months. So. How has that changed your approach to work? You obviously you had cancer. When was that? That's two, that was 2010. Okay. Uh, how's it approached my, uh, well, you always recalibrate when you yeah. experience, you go climb mountains, you climb mountains <laughs> and you, you sometimes just say, well, I, you know, I really don't care about something. Um, it puts everything in perspective. Um, yeah. So I, I just think that it's kind of changed my philosophy and outlook on life and friends and family. Don't take, you know, you try not to sweat the little stuff anymore. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming by this afternoon. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you for the invite. Four questions with Kevin McKinney. Thank you. For 40 years, 40 years in the biz and four questions. <laughs> wrapped it all up. So have a good trip out west. Thank you. And we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank okay. you. Appreciate it. We'll be right back. Yep. So Kevin McKinney, that was good. I like Kevin. Kevin has been, you know, I, I mentioned this. I think when I look back, if there's a, if, if, if Carly in 30 years, you write the, the history about what rest strategies has become and where I'm <laughs> dead and gone and you can all write about You're this. dead in 30 years. <laughs> How old are you? Also, could be. also like, why am I writing? Yeah, well, you're the youngest one. You'd be the last one. The rest here. of us are dead You'd too. Okay. <laughs> so when you're all buried, <laughs> I can write about you guys. No, there'll be a chapter about Kevin McKinney because Kevin, I, I mean, Nick will remember. I mean, Nick was working from home, but Nick's going to be the one that writes it. Let's be honest. Little, yeah. Mm -hmm. it'll, be, it'll be a comic book feature. Um, right. No, it was like Kevin, the little office that we had in, in that, in the little old house. Like yeah, it was great. House. It was great. The, it was messy. The the parking lot was, you know, like a, an elongated driveway. Yeah. And you'd have to, like, 
knock on somebody else's door and ask them to move their car so you could get out. Uh, it was Stephanie part of that at that point. Yeah, Stephanie okay. joined us while we were there. Yeah. And when I say it was messy, it was not Kevin's part that was messy. It was other. It was it, okay. It was Matt's part that was kind of messy. That's what I assumed you meant. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot going on in one room. <laughs> I'm offended and I'm also confused because I don't know. I, I don't keep it messy. What was messy? I just remember the day that I came in um, to pick a bunch of stuff up for that press conference. There was stuff everywhere and it was it was visually disconcerting, but it was it turned out okay. She's never Porter been able to forget it. Apparently I Porter know. scarred her for life. I have, no idea. I have OCD issues, so kind of pretty much anything is a little bit messy. The funniest thing about that building and... Stephanie, you'll remember, although I'm not going to mention the name of the client, but they it had a squirrel issue. And there were two two instances. Um, the first, um, there was a, and I'm not sure how the squirrel got in. I think in both cases, it was because Kevin was having the carpets cleaned. And so the person had the door, left the door propped open because the big, you know, the big hoses were connected to the van. And in one case, um, well, in both cases, really, but in the first case, the squirrel came in the house and then, um, this is a super old house where there's wood paneling and woodwork on all the windows all over the place. And they closed out for the weekend and went home, leaving the squirrel in, inside the house. I remember this. And the squirrel freaked out <laughs> and just proceeded to try to eat his way out of the house. Oh, no. And so found every wood framed window he could find and just ate it. And so they came in on Monday morning and there were wood shavings oh, no. everywhere. Oh and this com- squirrel still there? And com- this completely crazed squirrel oh, who had sad. been trying to break out of this house for the entire weekend. <laughs> and so then the second thing, the second, and this is a, a, this, a different squirrel, presumably, but on a different day, same kind of thing. Door gets propped open. Squirrel comes in the house and I'm in a client meeting in the conference room. And it's this, this cool old house. And this, this, this was probably at the dining room was the, what the conference room was. And I'm sitting there and we get done with the meeting and our client stands up and she's talking to me. And I look past her and there was a big potted plant on the floor with a tree <laughs> in it. And curled up around the base of the tree was this petrified squirrel. The squirrel was trembling. It was so terrified. It was like stuck in the bottom of the, this, pot, this potted plant. And I'm like, just step away. Don't, <laughs> don't freak out. Don't, don't be alarmed. Turn around. Don't do anything but walk slowly out the door because there's a squirrel over your shoulder. Did you try to catch the squirrel? No, we closed the door okay. and we called. I think we called somebody. That's probably best. That was pre-sale. We didn't have sale. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have sale back then. Where's sale? Darn. Yeah. So I think we might have a t-shirt winner. The one person that no. ran in. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Two people. <laughs> Hundreds. Wait, no. 50-50 shot. Okay. Two um, people. Two people took the time to contact me with a shirt idea. One texted me. One posted online. So even though the person texted didn't technically follow the rules. It's okay. I, I think I'm willing to award uh, Tracy Real and Andrea Pearson um, with a, with a shirt. So Tracy is my neighbor, uh, client of ours, on and off again, uh, runs Think Spakes downtown. And Andrea actually was one of my kids' babysitters back in the day. Okay. Now she's going to MSU Law School. Fan of the pod. Nice. Funny and weird. Sent in a shirt idea. And so um, Tracy and Andrea, you'll be looking, looking in your mailbox. So because they sent in shirt ideas, they get shirts? 
Why not? That you created <laughs> without anybody else's ideas. Well, I, yeah, that's the, what we're doing. <laughs> I just want to make sure I understand what's happening. The that shirts are the shirts are very similar. <laughs> it's a contest. They're right in line with with one of the ideas. <laughs> what's the contest though? Send us your shirt ideas so we can send you the shirts that we've already made. Yes. Ex <laughs> express that you like us and we'll give you a shirt. But not anymore. Show that you have a pulse and, and are interested in the podcast. You know what? And we'll make shirts on a weekend. And they're so soft. They are soft. Yeah. They're they okay. are very soft. That's the word on the street. So I mean these people, they're gonna be happy. Yeah, oh, they're very they're gonna soft. sleep in these shirts. I yeah. mean, yeah, these are these shirts. because well, they can't wear them out. <laughs> Yes, you, know what? you could. There's an attitude coming in through the Zoom. I'm going to kick off there. Are you just mad you're not going to get a shirt? I didn't get a shirt. Yeah, you're right. You now maybe you never will. <laughs> the shirt ship has sailed for Stephanie. It was a late night for me. I'm just grumpy. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. So Tracy, okay. Andrea, you'll be check check the mail. Uh, we'll get you we'll get you some shirts um and maybe someday we'll actually unveil what the, the shirt looks like i tried to tease it over the weekend we'll see yeah maybe anyway it's good maybe you should send kevin a shirt yeah that's a good is idea. it gonna be our new thing that we give away to Along our guests with the well I, I just ordered a ton of mugs i get we got we're gonna have to do this podcast and for like six more years to get rid of these mugs yeah by the time and coasters coasters i should not go for at least 30 more years yeah, you gotta keep going until you're done have happy hour Dunzo. and get me near the computer with with, the, with stuff because i just order shirts and you're then like, i what <laughs> what crap can i so, put the cold oatmeal logo you know what we on need we need order. coasters that's what that's what we need so i go and find coasters yeah yeah so what's next or then I order, I design t-shirts on a Saturday afternoon and I harass Joe and Carly asking for them to approve my ideas. Yeah. Joe needs a new fidget spinner. Yeah. Stick a logo on that. I still want a hoodie. Okay. Or a quarter zip. Design one. I would like a quarter zip. Design one and then you'll get a shirt. <laughs> design a, design design a hoodie. Design one and then we won't shirt. use the design. We'll just make it how we want. You guys are figuring then, it out. You're figuring it out right. how it works. Yeah. Okay. Nick, Steph, you're on the Zoom. You got anything to close us out? Or are we good? I, I think we're closed. Been <laughs> <laughs> a pleasure. As as always, Stephanie. Um, Kevin McKinney was our guest today. Four questions with Kevin McKinney. A uh, great guy, owner of McKinney and Associates, multi client multi client lobbying firm here in in Lansing. A good friend of Fresh Strategies and all of us. And this has been the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. I'm Matt Rush. Talk to you next time.